Hi, Izzy popping in at the top of the episode to just let y'all know there was a bit of an audio snafu with this set of audio, and there's a weird echo on Kit's side of me talking. Uh, I tried to get rid of it as best I can, but it is still there, so just you all have been warned, there's some weird echo in some places. Alright, enjoy the episode! Welcome to Abbey Archives, a Redwall reread featuring one pagan and one Christian going over the series to see what age like fine strawberry wine and what age like milk. I'm Kit. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Izzy. I use she, seer pronouns. You can find us and content for the podcast, including art and links to other Redwall related things at Abbey Archives on Twitter. Well, I discovered Redwall in high school and haven't read it for a long time. So, like, I'm going in back into the series half blind. So, like, a lot of this is like, I don't remember much of anything. So, for me, it's like, yeah, cool. I'm, like, experiencing it all over again <laughs> for the first time again. <laughs> I started reading it in fucking elementary school and read it, honestly, throughout high school. But I haven't read the books in almost 10 years. That's a lie. I've read Outcast of Redwall <laughs> uh, within the past 10 years. But it's been a while. Saying the words, I haven't read these books in 10 years makes me feel old. No, but yeah, we are old. <laughs> Squirrels, we we're not that old. This. <laughs> we're not that old. Time just happens so much. We're, we're, um, we're internet old. <laughs> we are. So the way that we're... Uh, splitting up the books is we are going to be splitting them into about three episodes, three recordings each. It's not episodes because the recordings are going to be multiple episodes. Yeah, It's about three recordings each. So we're going to be splitting the books into thirds when we do our recordings just because they are so long. So yes, it is going to take us a while to get through these books. <laughs> but we will do but it. it's fine. We promise. Yes. This just means that we're going to be here for a while and you have to deal with our shit for a while. Yeah. <laughs> also, this is only our second recording, so things might be a little rough. We're still figuring things out. 
we're trying a different format this time to the last time where instead of reading a plot summary and then going over our notes, we are going to read a plot summary and as we are reading, we will discuss certain plot points that caught our interest. Yes. Because honestly, that flows better. <laughs> it does. So today we are covering the second book in Moss Flower from chapters 26 to chapter 45. Which is a significantly less amount of chapters than the first part of the book. Because for some reason, Brian Jakes decided, I'm just going to split this book into a weird amount of chapters. Like the last part of the book, which is our next recording, is... It's tiny. It's it's like four chapters. It's four chapters. But we're going to end up talking a lot about the things that make us sad in that one. Yes, I'm going to be so Because there's a lot that... Those four chapters are meaty. I'm going to get so mad, I know it. <laughs> you are going to get super mad, I'm so uh... sorry. <laughs> so, our content warnings today are very similar from last time, but there's a few added things. We've got death, violence, child endangerment, war mention, tyranny, unsanitary prison conditions continue to happen, torture, starvation, body horror, birds, sanism, slavery, and some other warnings that we'll state as we go. All right, so the plot summary. Uh, we start the book with uh, Fortunata and Mask in Brock Hall. Uh, she attempts to steal back Ferdy and Cogs, who we know is Spike and Posey, by taking them out to collect herbs. Uh, and honestly, I really like this bit where they're in Brock Hall between her, Mask, who is going by Patchcoat, and Skipper. <laughs> Skipper is just hamming it up and having a ball. Oh my god, Skipper is just like, oh, me, my aches and pains. Oh, I right there. That's man. where it hurts the worst. <laughs> and she's just like, you've got the stiffeners. And he's like, oh, the stiffeners. Like, you couldn't have just called it arthritis? They don't know what that is. I mean, I guess fair, but the stiffeners. This is supposed to be like medieval times where like diseases yeah. don't have names. That's true. Well, I mean, they did have names, but they were names like the Stiffeners or yeah, Consumption. Yeah, they were like the Stiffeners or yeah. Consumption. Yeah. But yeah, like, so when... Bleh. So they collect the two uh, Ferdy and Cogs, heavy air quotes there, and Fortunata says, we're going to go out to go herb collecting. You know, come and help me. So she takes the little ones out with Mask. With, with Mask, yeah. And... Meets a surprisingly quick and abrupt end at the arrows yeah. of the squirrels. And, like... Yeah. Like, they get to a fork in the road because Patchcoat is like, I think we might... Are we lost? And then she's like, we can't... Are you serious? And he's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. So we're gonna split up. You go this way, and I'll go this way with the, with the, the hedgehogs. And if you come to a fallen tree, yell. Because that's the right way. I come to a fallen tree, I'll yell. Yeah. And then, like, she finds the fallen tree and she takes a break before yelling and the squirrels are like, ha ha, die. Yeah, she just dies. She just dies. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, that's that's not where I thought this was going to go at all because I thought, like, he was working to ingratiate himself with her. Like, hey, we're both foxes together. Like, we can totally, like, you could hook me up with Sarmina. Like, she would yeah. be his, like, I thought, oh, she's going to be his in to the fortress. But no, it's like, nope, she's just, she's just going to die. 
Yeah, I, especially with stuff that happens, like, with Mask later, the way yeah. that um, Brian handled that mini plot line, essentially, that, like, plot or plan, it was really abrupt in every way. This There's book a lo- has a lot I, of it, that. It, this book also just has a lot of... The time scaling in this book is really weird. Yeah, well, it's like that he wants to int- he'll introduce a character, he'll introduce like a whole section, and then it's over in a chapter. And it's like, it feels like I'm reading a bunch of little mini stories that have been strung together by an overarching plot. And it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I mean, consider that this is supposed to be an Arthurian tale. Yeah, exactly. Like, it makes sense. Also, remembering like this is being told by Bella. Right. Which is this why it's is like, it doesn't being- bug me that much. Yeah, uh, it's just to a degree, it does feel like there's a lot of things that happen, and we're going to discuss more later as we go on. There's a lot of things that happen where it's like, how did this happen this fast? It's been right. less than a week. Right. Like. It's it's the fantasy travel. Uh, yeah. Shortcuts, which you see. Yeah, a there's lot a lot of, of stuff that just happens that's like, these are, the way that this is being presented to us is that these are happening on the same scale of time. Right. But they're not. Like, um, we, like, when we move back to seeing, um, like, Martin, Dinny, Gonf, and Lagalog, like, they're moving super quickly through time because everything is happening so much. Yes. (laughs) But with the Woodlanders, things are taking longer amounts, like, the way that it should be presented is things are taking a longer amount of time because it is. Because they're not on the same time scale. This is why, like, I honest to God think that, like, the point of view switches should not have been mid-chapter. No. (laughs) But should have been their own chapters. Or we should have gotten, like, at least a little more, like, implication between, like, oh, Mm -hmm. hey, this is who is in the driver's seat now, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. It was just, I mean, nobody is ever specifically in the driver's seat because it's all third person, but... But who is the focus of this crazy wild ride we are on? Yeah. So, speaking of Martin and Co., <laughs> they end up in, ch- like, the stream that they're on with Logalog. Because we remember, they were on Logalog's boat, which yes. is called what again? It, uh, God. It, like, it doesn't even matter because it's like, I made this beautiful boat. Oh, my beautiful boat is destroyed. Yeah, <laughs> Literally, much, I think but- he gets the boat for less than a chapter. Uh, let's see. Death in the Woodmask. I'm looking for it. Oh, yeah. It was like right at the end of. Waterwing. Waterwing. Yeah. Like he he is like, here's my beautiful boat. And like, it's gone literally the next chapter. Like there's so much of like, yeah, this is my boat. I made it. It's awesome. But it's fine. It works out. Okay. (laughs) It works out. Okay. Again, like Um, it very much leans into the fairy tale-ness of this whole thing. Because, yeah. like, it just reminded me of, like, how in a lot of fairy tales, it's like, hello, this character is now in this situation. And then, like, two sentences later, it's like, well, now they're in a completely different situation. Moving on. Yeah, pretty much. And again, it's Bella telling it. And so she's definitely leaving out a lot of, like, detail details. But also she's old. Yeah. <laughs> she's old. She's an old badger. Yes. But so, like, um, oops, I bumped my microphone. Um, so, like, the the waters get choppy, and they're like, uh, 
hey, we need to, Lagalaga is like, okay, we need to get the sail down, we need to get the mast down, because otherwise we're just fucked. And then it just gets too much, and he's like, okay, you've got the sail down, just ignore the mast, we've got to bail the water out of this boat. And then everything happens so much. And yes. they go over a waterfall. Yes. Into the mountain. Into, Into the, mountain. the mountain. Which is which is really not how rivers work. This isn't a river, though. This is a stream. Mm, it's still not how... It doesn't matter. That's not how water works. Well, so... If the area that they are in going into the mountain is at a slightly higher elevation, then it can work like that, especially if the water doesn't exit the mountain, which it yeah, doesn't. That's true. That's true. Hold up. It doesn't. Yeah, I guess it doesn't. It isn't on the map, is it? Let's see. Mm-mm. Actually, no, it does exit the mountain. It creates the swamplands. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, Weird. It, it should be a canyon, is what I'm saying. Um, That's fair. But, you know, I'm just being pedantic now. Like, <laughs> like if, again, like, if we start getting into the geology, I'm going to spend half an hour yelling about how Salamandastron is full of bullshit for just being a mountain right next to the ocean by itself. With no other I, I think with the, some of the things that are implied in this book, we can we can uh, just take away that maybe it isn't natural. That's true, yeah. Because uh, there's some sh- there is some bullshit that happens. Uh, continuing my theory, and I refuse to ignore it that humanity did once exist, and this is probably a construct of theirs. Um, <clears throat> uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yes. They go over a waterfall and then POV switch as everything goes dark for Martin. Yes. Mask and the quorum put, like, after, like, Fortunata has died, uh, the quorum's plan is to basically have Mask and then put on a show of him trying to drag Ferdy and Cogs back to Kotor. Yes. And then, like, the Corum like fighting with masking, stealing Ferdy and Cogs back, and then tricking Sarmina into rescuing him. Yes. Um, which works because and this works. It's because they're like the people that they have involved with it are good actors. That's true. Because the squirrels and the otters are good at this. It is the mice and hedgehogs and moles, etc., that are not good at this. Yeah, they're not. They are not good at subterfuge. Sub subterfuge. No. Some of them are, but as a whole, they are not. Whereas, like the squirrels and the otters are, they kind of enjoy warriors. It. Yeah, yeah, they're warriors, which we never get an explanation about why. <laughs> I mean, I guess like at least not in this book. Yeah. It's also going back to like. Um, you know, like otters are actually mustelids. So, I mean, at least they're slightly acknowledged as being more um, vicious. That's not a good word. More uh, carnivorous than the mice and the shrews and all that. Well, not no, shrews are carnivorous. What was I going with here? I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> to be fair, every single one of the species that is listed in this book are not like obligate herbivores yeah not a single one of them hedgehogs i believe are insectivores they are yes very they're insectivores but they will also very happily gobble up you know 
berries and other things. Yeah. Same with mice. Same with um, mole. Moles specifically are insectivores. Yes. Very much so. Um, badgers are carnivores. Yeah. Like, squirrels are also, like, yeah, they eat nuts. They also eat, like, other fruits and berries. They also eat bugs. Yeah, but I'd I think say... I've also seen a squirrel eat a lizard. Wow. All right. I'd say, like, yeah, out of this situation, the squirrels would probably be, like, the most herbivorous. But squirrels are also assholes. But they are also assholes, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, but back so to... They, uh, they rescue Patchcoat and Sarmina is, like, I don't trust foxes kind of thing. Yeah. But, um... Mask immediately just, just like, because Clud tries to be, pull some shit, some fuck shit, and Mask is like, absolutely the fuck not. Yeah. <laughs> like, just fucking, here. basically flips some ass over tail. It's very satisfying. Uh, and Sarmina is very impressed, gives him the captain's position. Uh, Ashleg uh, manages to bring back the remains of Fortunata, and Sarmina is so mad about that. She's like, why did you just leave this carcass on the parade grounds? Get the fuck rid of it. Get rid of it. Yeah. Like, do you want the eagle to eat all of our asses? Just throw throw her out. <laughs> God. And then we get introduced, the P- POV swap again, except now it's a new chapter, so it makes fucking sense. Yeah. POV swap again. There's bats now. <laughs> The bats, I, I, I'm a little slightly convicted about the convicted, conflicted about the bats. On one hand, I really like them because of like, like they are blind. The bats in this book are very clearly blind, but they are not. Well, it's treated- even said that's like they're, they're blind, but like they're not. Like if they try, they right. can see. Like they are blind by choice, but they basically, their other senses are strong enough that they're like, yeah, we're blind, but it doesn't matter. Like we can't see anything down here anyway. So. Yeah. And like, I love how they do the soft whispers and like the echoes of their words. It's good shit. It's very good. Like, I was I was really kind of, like, cringing when I started reading the chapter, but the more I got into it, I'm like, no, actually, I really like how he's written these guys. They're kind, they're sweet, and, like, the way they describe their community and just, like, their whole attitude reminds me of, like, ascetic monks, because, like, they have chosen a simpler, plainer life for themselves. Um, it's like really little... good, and yes. they... They, they, blah, blah, blah. words, words. Yeah. The, the bats are like very helpful, very kind. And they found Martin, Dinny and Logalog. Um, uh, Martin is woken up by them feeding him really gross medicine. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm alive. <laughs> but Gonf is nowhere to be found. Gonf is gone. Like, and Martin is so upset about this. Like, he is so fucking upset. His friend is gone. His buddy. He is gone. He's so upset. Martin's like, no, I lost another friend. My friend. (laughs) My thing with, like, the bats and stuff like this is, like, in these first couple of books, we get so many animals that just never show up again. Yeah. And, like... I believe, like, toads and frogs show up a couple more times, but, like, bats never show up. They never go through these mountains again. Anytime they have to go to Salamandistron and other books, they don't go through the mountains. They go by sea. Yeah. 
which is quicker and they easier. They go around the mountains, and it's like, Brian, did you just not want to write going through the mountains? <laughs> probably. Did you just not want to write this? Because, my dude. he could. I mean, like, he could probably only use that particular plot point so many times. Uh, and they use the plot point of dragging a whole pirate ship up the river how many times? True. Fair. <laughs> like... <laughs> You have a point. The amount of times they have dragged a pirate ship up the Mossflower River. Specifically a pirate ship, too. Specifically a pirate ship! Because Every time! Because evidently, nobody else likes to make boats but pirates. Except for the shrews! Yes, except for the shrews. The otters are like, yeah, we can just swim. And the shrews are like, uh, no, we like, we like being able to dance and play hornpipes and be cranky, cranky creatures. <laughs> I, I just I, I, you know, there may be another book and I'm just not remembering it where they go through the mountains but uh, we're gonna the find bats out just don't show up again I'm pretty sure we just don't get them again yeah um god okay so anyway <sighs> the tribe of the the, the the bats tell them so, sorry okay they Offer food and friendship to the three and help them look for Gomp. While they are looking for Gomp, the leader, Cave Ear, Cave Ear, Cave Ear. Um, it kind of sounds like Cave Ear. Cave Ear, yeah. He warns them of a large predatory bird that has taken roost in front of one of their bolt holes, I suppose. Um, well, we don't get that yet because first we get okay. a POV swap. Back, Back to, to Coder, where Captain Patchcoat uh, starts to solidify his position and goes to see Gingivere in the dungeon. What he does is he goes down there to go see Gingivere and Ferdy and Cogs, and as he passes by uh, the the guard on duty, he's like, like just basically whips that dude into shape like yeah literally almost literally hold spear sit sit up straight chin up spear up put that shield up shoulders back if you don't give me the fucking respect i deserve it's so fucking good you can tell he's having fun with it like you know what oh absolutely might as well lean into the role it's real good and the vermin like well i sorry i like i use vermin because that's what they call him in the book sorry but like he's just like yes sir yes sir okay sir Oh god, oh god, oh god. I'm being held accountable. <laughs> oh god, I've never experienced this before in my life. <laughs> Which, to be fair, he hasn't. Yeah. Um, because Competent leadership, reasons. what is that? Ugh. Um, and then goes and sees Gingerbeer and is like, hey, we're gonna escape tonight. And Gingerbeer is like, tonight? Yeah. <laughs> Does not realize that Mask is not an evil-looking fox, and it's just like, I don't know how the quorum managed to, like... Where they found such an evil-looking fox. Right. I will never know. <laughs> and right. then Ferdy is like, I can look evil too if I squint one eye and tug my nose to the side. It's I like, know, oh, don't do so that, cute. it'll get stuck. He's so cute, like the hole in your face will <sighs> get stuck like that. It's just like... <laughs> Ferdy and Cogs are written like children and it is it's very good. so good. Because, like, they're not annoying. Like, so many child characters are annoying, and these two are not. Like, they're just, they're literally just kids. And I love it. It's fucking good. And then we get, like, Cave Ear, because Martin finds an exit, and it's, 
it's a shaft of light through a small bolt hole, and Kavir is like, no, we can't go there. There is a bird. <laughs> yes, there's a bird. It has eaten so many of my people. Please do not. We don't want you to get eaten, too. <laughs> and, like, they go back and they're talking about it, and Denny's like, well, I could just dig it out and shove its nest over. Yeah, did. She's like, this isn't a problem for me. I am a mole. And the bats are like, how? I love it's his stone. description of like, he's like, I swim through the earth like you fly through the sky. Or I fly through the earth like you fly through the sky. It's like, I love yeah, that. Yeah, because the bats think that Dinny is a wingless bat. Yes, it's so cute. I love it so much. That is actually good. It's very good. Because there's no reason for moles and bats to have ever seen each other. No, God, no. Also, like, I just had a flashback to the recent Animorphs book with the moles. I'm just like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, God. Um, Also, 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 Gonf has two paws. He has two paws. (laughs) You are shameless. (laughs) I am shameless. Gonf and Martin should kiss. (laughs) All right, that's what you have to draw at the end of the book. That's your homework. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's like Martin and Timbalist <laughs> and Gonf and Columbine. You haven't even gotten to Timbalista yet. <laughs> oh God, he's just like, hello, I'm here now. Yeah, oh, God, there's so many things that just happen in this. It's book. that one screen cap from the office of like the guy standing there, and then just the girl pops up behind him. He's like, fuck. okay um then we get the escape attempt um where mask goes down and is like the the guard on duty is like oh god the new captain's really mean mask is so nice to him he's like go go on you go 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 get some food you're good i got this You've been working hard. You deserve to take some weight off your paws. Go take a break. You're, you're, you're. And he's like, man, I don't know why everybody said this guy was mean. I know. It's like, it's, it's just, it's moments like these where you just like, you actually feel kind of sorry for just the average, like air quotes, vermin. Yeah. It's like, they're not. Cause they're written so stupid. And it's, it's, uh, I bring this up in, cause we put the note here where you're like, uh, your uh, thing on it was bad leadership and it drives home like monarchy and stuff is really bad. Yes. And my uh, pull on it is it pulls on a lot of racist stereotypes about people of color being stupid and lazy um, because it does. That's essentially what this is pulling on. Like the well, vermin are stand-ins for people of color. No, I don't think it's just that because like if we're also looking at this from the British point of view, like there's a lot of like older British stuff like before like a lot of the people of color mythos really started digging in or not mythos uh, prejudices started digging in um, but you'd have like people who worked in the poorhouse or you have like the the chimney sweeps and the, the mm. air quote the lower class people I think as much as it is I don't even know if it's as much a racism thing entirely as it's it is, racism like, and classism. classism it's a mix yes. of both I'm about to say it's, it's the um, classism more for me i notice yeah because of like again like the british influence in it um yeah well the thing is is like racism and classism are so intertwined with each other that's true that you can't really untangle those stereotypes from each other because yes you can be the the same stereotypes do apply to poor white people mm-hmm. as well but not to the same degree 
yeah. as poor people of color. Yeah, that's very or even true. just people of color in general. Yeah. Um, and so like the vermin, like he may not have intended it because he's dead. I can't ask him like, hey, yeah. did you mean for this to be racist? But it really does show that Brian was an old white British man. I was gonna say the the biggest thing about this, and like again, like. We're not, like, trying to rag on Brian because it's not, like, th- like part of me is, like, thank God he's dead because we'll never have a uh, she who shall not be named situation where he has a Twitter, you know. Um, but I feel like when I read these books and I do see these stereotypes, I don't detect any kind of, like, malice behind it. Because um, it's not malice because what it is is he is, because he, yes. he has said it in interviews, like when I was doing research, he is playing into these very classic tropes exactly. for children's stories. That's why all yep. of these books have such a rote sort of storyline yep. that follows a specific pattern. Yes. The so- bad guys are bad. The good guys are good. The yep. issue. Excuse me. The issue with those tropes is where they come from right. and who is put in the bad light of so, these tropes. In this case, it really is just a situation of ignorance, not malice. Yeah. So that's why, like, it doesn't bug me as it would in other books where I know the author is probably being a racist dick. It's like, this yeah. is just, now, he's, he's I haven't using read his other books. Oh, that's true. I haven't read his other books, which are meant for older audience. So who knows? Yeah, maybe that. <laughs> maybe be one day I'll special. read the Flying Dutchman books and be like, "Hmm, sir, <laughs> those have people in them, and I don't want to read about people." <laughs> yeah, people are boring. <laughs> people are super boring. Um, but yeah, so Mask is taking uh Gingivere up and out essentially, and Ferdy and Cogs are like under the captain's cloak, that completely is very invisible. Clever. I enjoyed that. It's quite so a lot. good. And Clud, who wants to, like, get... This is this is where it comes in, where I'm like, hmm. They were setting this, this up, is... too. So it's like, where yeah. is that going to pay like, off? First, first of all, this is where we're getting, like, things are moving a little bit too fast. Because for me, I felt like the mask should have spent a little bit more time ingratiating himself. Yeah. Like, there's another thing that comes up after this, where a whole other fox shows up. And I'm like, Just this could have been... Yeah, out of nowhere. This could have been Mask the whole time. Yeah. This whole bit could have been Mask ingratiating. Because Mask is an otter. Mask knows war tactics. Mm -hmm. This could have been Mask the entire time ingratiating himself with Sarmina. Taking a bit longer uh, to get Gingivere and and Ferdy and Cogs out. And making sure that, like, he can fuck shit up from the inside. And, like, help in, you know... Uh, Sarmina's like slow descent into paranoia. Now I do feel um, like the reason he did brush this is justified because we were informed in the previous book that Sarmina is planning to torture the Dibbons. Like she's planning to torture Ferdy and Cogs, so they want yeah. But it's already implied that they're gone. Yeah, but like if she finds them, how long? Like eventually. It was a situation of, like, how long can we keep this ruse going? It was not going to last forever. The quicker they could get the kids out, the safer the kids would be. Well, yeah. But I feel like there would have been... There there was definitely a better way for them to have gotten the 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 Dibbins out and then get Gingivere out later. Maybe. But... They didn't have to get out at the same time. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, this feels like a rushed 
piece of plot that could have been stretched out over a longer period of time. Yeah. For for the story. Um, like, they really could have removed that whole bit with Bane. Yeah. But so, what prompted this is, like, Mass gets, and I'm gonna fucking divorce you. Um, <laughs> Mass gets unmasked as written by Kit, by Clud, who stomped on his false tail as a prank. To me, that could have completely been written off as, oh, I lost my tail, I wear a fake one. Yeah. Like, that was such an easy thing to explain away, but they immediately jump to, this isn't a real fox. Right. Well, I guess it's because, like, would a fox really bother with a fake tail? Or it's just yes. like they're already so paranoid. We get a whole fox who wears a fucking patchwork mask to hide his face in the That's next, true. like, in Madame Ale. He's one of my favorite villains, so. Yeah, he's a good villain. Um, foxes are vain. They are. In these books. <laughs> of course a fox would wear a fake fucking tail. <laughs> you know what? I say that being a fan of the fantastic Mr. Fox, and even though his tail is completely <laughs> shredded and disgusting by the end of the movie, he still keeps it. So. Just, sir, your tail is disgusting and covered in dog spit. Please just throw it away. Give it up. It's gone. Never. Okay. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah and so they just fucking they run yeah they run um and then cut back to mountain crew don't know why they cut back in the middle of the fucking action here right? it's mountain so crew denny's plan works because what he does is he digs out some of the 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 scree that is there mm-hmm. uh and gets like a timber which is the tiller of the water wing <laughs> And Logalog has a moment. That's the entire reason they had the boat. They needed a timber to get rid of the owl. (laughs) My boat. Yeah, basically. Um, And they use it as a lever to basically, like, just shove a bunch of the stones and stuff out onto the ledge. And it scares off this massive tawny owl. Like a big, large, huge motherfucker. Yeah. Who never says a word, never shows up again. He's just like, well, time to go. Oh, God. <laughs> and then it's like... Then it's like, okay, you should build a door and put holes in it so you can poke any birds off of this ledge. And these peaceful, like, ascetic monk bats are like, yeah, sure, uh-huh, good idea, thank you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because they're like, we don't want more birds to keep eating us. Yeah. And then we cut back to fucking coder okay, where they're okay. running smart sorry but small side tangent um yes i part of me is very disappointed because like i thought this was going to be like argulor's former home like how neat would it have been for them to be like yeah we're trapped under here because there's this giant ass predatory bird who eats us and they're like okay but well, argular came t- from the north and they went well is west. it is it west? Uh, yeah, it's it's west. Okay, this is why I need to start using these stupid maps. Uh, no, <laughs> no, yeah, they go west. I guess kind of northwest-ish, but yeah, he comes from the north. Okay, but honestly, like... Yeah, it's... he comes from, like, north of Mossflower Woods. Okay. Like, it's way up, like, way up the coast. It just, it does still feel like a wasted opportunity to me. To not have it have been. Because, like, how great it would have been. Like, these bats were blind and they just accepted that. You know, like, hey, we live under the mountain now. 
And then, like... That requires Brian Jakes to have more forethought about his plots. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I'm being mean. That's okay. I'm and... not wrong, but I am being mean. Yeah. No, but... Yeah, it's like, please don't get us wrong. We do enjoy these books. And the only reason we can poke holes in like this is because we do enjoy them. Um, and we... Uh, at least me, I have, in fact read these books multiple times even if it's yes. been a while like i used to read these things obsessively <laughs> all right so uh, now we cut back to cutter they're just running yeah they just started running so i mean it's like let's go get them boys um and she's she's like in her in her bedroom like from her window she has a, a bow and arrow and she's gonna shoot gingivere in the back mm-hmm and she ends up shooting Mask instead because he got in the way after the arrow was released. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gingivere just is like hears that happen, but doesn't see it and assumes that it's Mask like trying to push him on faster. And he just fucking right. goes. Protect babies. He goes and like the 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 uh, Woodlanders are there. He passes the children off. Like looks back, sees. That mask is like not like not following very fast, and then I think what he falls. Yeah, like he Gingerfinger just goes back. This fucking emaciated, very like malnourished cat goes back, hefts mask up, and just bolts. <laughs> not my buddy. <laughs> Ad- adrenaline. Yes, it's a hell of a drug. And they fucking like slam the the doors shut and like wedge stuff under like wedge them shut with stuff under the doors yeah and then take off into the woods but sarmina is just like no not happening you are not taking my brother from me because i'm i'm the one who gets to decide if he lives or dies and And then like yeets herself over the door yeah like i put a note here that like sarmina scaling the wall and thinking ahead really shows how she would be a terrifying leader if she had an ounce of moderation or subtlety she would have been a truly terrifying tyrant because like what counts as subtlety for her only works because half of her clue are well the vermin of the series who are not intelligent Mm mm-hmm so it's like if she had any real true subtlety or forethought, like like it's implied that her father had, she would have been a true, real terrifying tyrant. You know. Yeah, but, but then if didn't. that had been the case, we wouldn't have had this book or this plot at all. So Yep. Sometimes it truly is a case of the plot must march forward. Yep. And then Mask dies. Mask dies, just hi bro, I'm back. Got the baby safe. Okay. Bye. Off to Dark Forest with Dang. me. This is also the first mention of the Dark Forest, like, through this whole book. Yeah. Multiple creatures have died. But none of them were named or important enough to be, you know, sent to the Dark Forest. Like, we get this whole funeral for Mask, and it's like, so we get this whole beautiful funeral for him. What about the scores of squirrels and otters who have been killed uh, since the start of this book? Do none of them yeah. get a funeral and a headstone? Hello. Yeah, as this is the first mention of the dark forest. God, again, this is another thing. Is like, is like, Master's just here and then he's gone, and it's like, I just Bane's whole arc could have just been Mask. Yeah, it is very, very peculiar. It's just, it's baffling. 
But, so, Dark Forest gets mentioned, and this is honestly the first and one of the only, besides Martin the Warrior, mm -hmm. is one of the only pieces of really consistent religious belief that we see in the books is going to the gates of the Dark Forest when you die. What is the Dark Forest? Meh. Like, it's a dark forest. <laughs> it's just a dark forest. And uh, I also have another note here because this is fucking is a word that the otters say for no reason. They say the word affidavit. I'm pretty sure that's a... It's, hang on. Affidavit is a legal term. Yeah. But they just say it apropos of nothing. It's just a word that they say. And I'm just remembering me as a child saying the word affidavit because I liked how it sounded. It is a very And I'm like, are the otters the reason I said affidavit a lot? <laughs> God damn it. I'm too autistic for this. <laughs> God. But yeah, the Dark Forest. Uh, the Dark Forest gets, like, the Dark Forest gets brought up once and then suddenly it's brought up constantly. Yeah. It's like, well, now we have introduced this concept. Time to really drive it in, drive it home so people know that it's important. You know what I have just thought of? It's like this book didn't have, like, a good editor. Oh, that's possible. I mean, was this one? This was, like, one of the earlier ones published, right? Yeah, hold on. Let me Google the publishing order. Because, um, because again, like, early on... Early on, like some of the early books in series. Ah, again. the Redwall Wiki looks so red. Oh god. <laughs> I mean it is red. Yeah. Mossflower was the second book published. Yeah, so Because it was Redwall, Mossflower, Matameo. Yeah, so in cases like that, like oftentimes like early books from an author will be kinda rough around the edges. Cause like they're still figuring the world out, they're still still figuring out their writing style. You know, like a lot of I bet a lot of the weirdness in Mossflower could be Brian just throwing lore ideas out there and seeing what sticks. Some stuff <laughs> sick, sticks, some stuff doesn't, and the Dark Forest is one of those things that does stick. Yeah, but you would think that because like he still had an editor. True. For these books, so you would think that an editor would have picked up on him and been like, "Why isn't this mentioned earlier? Uh, why does like this happen? This doesn't connect." Like you get. Editors are fucking brutal, especially with new authors if their book gets picked up. Huh. I don't know. I mean... It's weird! I don't know. Also, at the people who run the Redwall Wiki, I love and adore you. Please change the background. <laughs> Please. It's so hard to look at. So, in another abrupt whiplash and change of scene, uh, yeah. Martin and company leave Batmount Pit via the door. Which is what it's called. <laughs> it's a, they are they are now the bats are now the rulers of Batmount Pit. Batmount Pit. Um, they enter into and there's swamp. Well, they don't realize it's a swamp at first. It's yeah. just mist. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just, just misty and foggy. Thick. The thick blanket of fog, and Logalog is like, usually that means there's a swamp, and then they start stepping on fucking gross shit, and I'm over here like they say evil smelling fungus, and I was like, what fungus grows in swamps? And then I googled it, and stink horns, yeah, which are also called devil's fingers. They smell like ass. 
I'm also laughing though, like this is so British. Like usually there's fog where there's a swamp and my ass having grown up in Fresno is like, I'm pretty sure Fresno was not a swamp and boy howdy did we get fog. That's because I think you guys are uh, trapped in front of some mountains. Pretty much, yes. Um, we're, yeah. we're actually so the, in the, a bowl um, because yeah, so the, the fog goes and, and stays the Sierras, there. So, but yeah, yeah, the fog stays there. That's what that's yeah. that's also another reason why there was so much fog. Is it's not just exactly. a swamp; it is a swamp at the base of a mountain. Yeah, so. and so the fog has nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And they were coming from the west. The right. sun rises in the east. Yeah, so that area gets a lot of good shade, so no wonder. And again, like, there's the river, presumably having come out of the mountain. Yeah. Or even if it is still underground, it would still be saturating the ground there. And they're right next to the ocean, so you've also got the ocean, yep. you know, like, I bet you a big part of that swamp is probably quite brackish. Um, yes. I, I actually Googled, like, when I was Googling it, it was like, what fungi grow in brackish swamps? Yeah. It is still stinkhorns. <laughs> Want to know how I know this? Google. They grow in Florida. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, that tracks. There you go. Um, oh, God. Then and then promptly caught by toads. Mm, we love our racist tribalism tropes. Yeah. Mm, every 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 book every story everything that has toads and frogs in it and they're like sapient is like this yeah everything yeah and i'm like why it's just like there's no reason there's no reason for it except for to utilize the racist tribalism tropes Mm, because the toads are very much described like that down to, like, the broken English. Yep. Like, why would they talk like this? Would they not have their broken, own Broken English and using sounds as language, like clicks and croaks and stuff. Which, there mm. are fantastically beautiful languages that utilize clicks and other sounds. Oh, yes. Yeah. As words. And it's... The, these tropes bother me so much. Yeah. I feel like this is kind of harkening back to a lot of, like, the classic, like, I adventured into the Amazon, the dangerous wilds, and met the tribe. And it's like, yeah, there's a little bit of the I went on an African safari. Yeah. I think, like, that's definitely worth it. I'm a white colonizer. Yeah. It's like... I came to America... Like, my dad keeps trying to get me to watch the Jungle Cruise, and part of me is like, I'd like to watch no. it because The Rock. Another part of me is like, I don't want to watch it because The Rock is explicitly, like, his character is like, I came from Spain. And then, like, we were cursed by this tribe because they were pissed off that we tried to steal something from them. It's like, yeah, your ass deserved to be cursed. The realization as an adult that the road to El Dorado is extremely racist. Yeah. God, I hate that trope so much. Like, oh! You must be a god. It's like, no! They did not think they were gods. That is probably like one of the strongest and most persistent pieces of propaganda the Spaniards ever created was that these people are stupid and they thought we were gods. It's like, no, they did not. The Aztecs took one look at them and thought, hey, we can use these guys to kill our enemies. (laughs) Pretty much. Or this like, with even with other like peoples as like, oh, these people are new, and they don't know anything about where they are. Let's help them out. Or, hey, here's a trading opportunity. 
let's try Roanoke Colony. Well, let's try and help feed them. Except the person who was running Roanoke Colony was a big racist and was like, no. And then, We're gonna like, steal your food. And not just that. But and then, like, they just assimilated into the tribes anyway. Right, yeah. Like, the guy's like, well, I'm gonna go leave to get help. Shows back up two years later. Oh, gee, where did they go? Where did my family go? We only see Croatoan on this tree. Where did they go? They assimilated into the tribe because they were starving and dying. And you left them. And the tribe was nice to them and you abandoned them. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, Sarmina <laughs> takes her forces into Moss Flower, and uh, basically, uh, the Coter they're and just because the like they had yeah. no time to cover their tracks whatsoever. Yeah. And she's like, "We can get them now." No, what ends up happening is like they get to the river where Gloomer died. Yeah, and. Skipper is standing there in, like, some mist, because I guess it's, like, the early morning. Yeah, it's thematic, and it's very well written. I like this scene. It is. This this whole scene is very well written, where we get Skipper, because, like, you mentioned earlier, like, are we gonna get a showdown between Clud and Mask? No, we get a showdown between Clud and Skipper. It's a revenge match knockout brawl, baby. It is so good. Like, they just abandon weapons, and they're just tearing each other to shreds with their teeth and claws. Quite literally. Yeah, this is some good fucking predator shit. Yeah. Especially because Clud is a weasel? Yes. He's some, yeah. That He's kind of, one of the three things that are exactly the same. Yeah. And, like, I put the new the note here of, like, here's the mustelid coming out in the otter skipper. Like, here is that that little hint of, like, an otter can be vicious, too. Brian, constantly forgetting otters are fucking predators. Yep. My God, and that's such a good scene because, like, it is just knock down, drag out. Everybody is watching them. Yeah, including Sarmina. Yeah, and you can tell the skipper is out for blood. He's not playing around anymore. It is time to kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you took my. And brother, then we cut back to Martin and Co. in the middle of this. Yeah, like again. Oh my god, Brian, you needed a better editor for this book, I swear <laughs> to god. So they meet Marsh Green, and I'm so fucking mad at Brian Jakes. I'm going to fight his ghost about these toads and the one fucking frog. Oh my god. Right? Because first of all, yes, toads do live in swamps, but toads are not fully aquatic. These should have been bullfrogs, ya bitch. <laughs> and you've got this one bright green ass frog. It's like, is this a fucking fat tree frog? What is this? What right. kind of frog is this? We don't know. He's just bigger than everybody. And it's like, toads are bigger than frogs. Mm-hmm. They also like unless ex- if it's a bullfrog, like bitch. It's like part of me. Part of me thinks that like it's them playing off the fact that like maybe this frog is like putting one over on the tribe, and that's why he's the leader. Maybe. Because he's maybe just a bit smarter. He's like, well, I can I can use these toads. and Not, No, because the way that they're written is none of them are smart, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, Martin insults him because he's just so fucking done. He's like, my best friend is gone. We're being dragged through the mud. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I hate this. What is your problem? Let us go. And like, Marjorie is just like... Throw him in the scream hole. Yeah, the scream hole. I'm like, did you really just... Right, did you really just call it the scream hole? Oh, yeah. And it's just a well in the middle of a marsh. 
I get the feeling this wasn't always a marsh because when I read something like this, it's like, there's a story here that we're not getting. Like, this is more of like, there's more to this world than we ever get to really know. And this is one of those situations where I feel that very keenly because just like the fact that there is like, it might, like they call it a well, well, but it might also be like a natural sinkhole potentially. Maybe. There's, there's a part of me that thinks that what Brian was trying to play with here because they're going to be fed to a snake fish. Yeah. Um, and... Or the snakefish, because yeah. snakefish is capitalized. Yeah. Um, is that Brian was playing off of the like uh uh like the the, the dragon, the lung. Yes. Which is a dra- a very long snake or eel like dragon that lives in wells. Yeah. Just it's like <laughs> this is my well now. Wow. Yeah. So I think that was kind of the inspiration for this. And it makes sense with what the snakefish turns out to be. But also, <laughs> also, also, <laughs> what? No, just like your little pause and then like, but also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Gonf is here. Gonf is alive. Gonf is here. Gonf is Gonf is alive here. and Martin is just like, oh, thank God. His I thought you died. And he's like, nothing could kill me that easy. He's like, how did you get here? Well, you see. Those fucking assholes from before, the newt and the snake, who are here, by the way. Just chilling. They brought me to the toads, and the, the, the toads decided to feed me to this big thing. And yeah. And then we get the fucking jump back to uh, Clud and Skipper's fight. Yes. Um, Clud realizes he's losing. Very bad. Real bad. And Skipper just fucking catches him up. In that captain's cloak, flips him and impales him on spikes, uh, uh, otter like the otter's uh, uh, um, spears or javelins. Spears, javelins, because they're pointed at both ends. Yeah, and they're staked into the ground, and he's just fucking impaled and on the dies. Cloak. And s- yep. And all of the, like, there's a, a, like, group of otters who, like, keep the, the, um, coder forces back. And, like, they all jump into the river. Um, Bella's like, y'all need to leave. Or, yeah. Bella's like, you need to leave. Fuck you. And Sarmina declares war. Is this where Sarmina falls in the river or is that later? Sarmina what? Is this where she falls in the river? No, that was earlier. That was in the first. No, no, no. She falls it? in the river again. Okay, yeah, that was. Um, hang on. Uh, sorry, hang on. So much happens. Edible yeah. Prince, traitor brother, Prince Martin Daniel Skipper. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, here it is. So that's right. Uh, yes. Chaos, chaos broke loose. Sarmina hurled her troops forward at Skipper. A band of otters broke cover, stopping them with javelins and sling stones. Skipper bounded gracefully, tail over ears, into the river, followed by his crew, who took the liberty of rattling a last furious salvo at the soldiers of Coder. Pushed on by those behind, several of the front ranks spilled into the water. Sarmina was among the first to go headlong into the river. Panic overtook the wildcat as she floundered in the water. Out! Get me out! she screamed. Quick! Before they loose the pike! Hurriedly, she was dragged up onto the bank. Yeah. Yep. And then they did release the pike. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And uh, Bella uh, is on the opposite bank. She says, stay out of our woods, cat. Take your vermin away from Mossflower and leave us alone or you will be defeated someday. And before uh, an arrow could even, like, be strung, Bella was gone after yeah. Sarmina just screams at her. Fully declaring war now, like, open. Yeah. You know, like, this fine. is war to the death. Your death, Badger. This is a very good moment here. It is. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, Goff is alive. Next chapter, POV swap back to them. Again, anytime a POV, swaps hap- POV swap happens at the beginning of a chapter, it's fine. Yeah. Because it's the next chapter. This makes sense. Mid-chapter? Or not even mid-chapter, like, just, oh, we've gotten three paragraphs in. Let's swap perspective. What the fuck? So, yes. We find Gonf in the scream hole. Deus ex Gonfina. I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> um, and a snakefish is an eel who can talk. Just, I love the dragon. And he's huge. Here. Yeah. Like you said, like the lungfish, or not lungfish, the the, the lind, lindworm. Hold on. Like you literally just said it. Hold on. Dragon who lives in a well. <laughs> the Knucker. The Knucker. The Knucker is the one that lives in a hole. It's called a Knucker hole, which are sometimes called wells. Okay. We probably They're from to... Sussex. <laughs> <laughs> probably anyway. to keep kids from playing near wells, but yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's it's a knucker. I said a lung because I think my brain was like, a lungfish. That's not it. Oh, a lung is an Asian dragon. That's what it is. Lungs are Asian dragons, which are also long and snake-like. So Yes. But yeah, like, I love the draconic imagery here because, like, it's not evil. He's not evil or malicious. He's literally just a predator. He's like, look, I just... I liked eating frogs. They trapped me down here and I only eat what they throw down because I need to survive. And like, he's not treated as evil. He's literally just an animal trying to survive. And I like that. And he's, he's not offended that these smaller prey creatures are nervous around him. Right. Like, he's like, I get it. You're fine. Like I would, like, who wouldn't be nervous around something like that? <laughs> yeah. And like, I really wish that we would get more weird creatures like this in the books. Yes. Like, we get our fair share of them, but it's a way more interesting way to introduce random characters by making them something that could be myth and legend. Yes. Because, like, Snakefish is definitely something that, like, is just, it, it that becomes a legend. Yeah. And he's like, again, like, he's not evil. He just wants to, to live and eat and, you know, be an animal. Yeah. It's great. But they, they strike a deal and, with him where... And then they go to think inside this little hole in the wall that they have found. <laughs> which is how they're preventing themselves from being squished and eaten. Yes. But he's also like, yeah, I know you guys are up there, and if I get hungry enough, like, sorry, but I will have to eat you. Yeah. Um, P.O.V. Squelp, we're back at Coder because no one is there. Yeah. They're, they're all, just... all in the forest. Sarmina took everyone in the forest everyone Kodor is deserted and so Coram is like hmm we're just gonna go take a look around it's free real estate free (laughs) that's what the abbess says free real estate what if we just took it 
Yeah. Columbine but- is like, we would not survive, and you know that. I love her being the voice of reason here, like, yes, I see where you are coming from, but also no. It's like, however, there's no food, there's yes. very few of us, how the fuck would yeah. we do this? Yeah. It's very But then, well um, Formal, who's been wandering around, it was either, it's Formal, right? And yes. Not Old Dinny? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Formal is wandering around and he's just like hmm because he's like poking at the ground and shit yeah he's like i'm gonna go look at the cells because he notices everything is damp yeah everything is damp and he's like hmm this is not normal i'm gonna go look under the cells that are at the bottom and he finds the underground lake Mm mm-hmm And then they find a way out of the underground lake via a secret tunnel where they scare the shit out of everybody who's in the woods. Absolutely. Just, yeah. This is a useful (laughs) tool that will help us later. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then Sarmina returns to Kodor, but as, and she's like so fucking mad. And there's just this one person in the ranks that is just being a total shithead to her. Heckling her. Heckling her. And, like, everybody is stone-faced. No one can figure out who it is. Ash, like, goes to the back of the group to try and figure it out, and Sarmina is so fucking mad. She's ready to rip someone's throat out. Yeah. And then POV switch. We're back. Denny is dug to the surface, and the newt and the grass snake are like, we're gonna go snitch on them. Because yeah. they were the only ones still by the well, waiting for them to get eaten. Because they are vindictive little turds. Yep. Which, hey, you know- They probably get eaten weird. after this. Probably. It's never explicitly said, but- No, they just disappear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, then he digs to the surface, and then it's, it's just this, that little bit- with the newt and the grass snake seeing Dinny dig to the surface where they're like, oh god, the ground is shaking. Yeah. And they go and hide behind a rock and they see Dinny like dig to the surface and be like, I'm gonna get y'all out. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, not today. <laughs> and then POV switch. Sarmina is having a nightmare <laughs> yeah. about water. Gosh. Like this poor cat is so hydrophobic. I know. She's so hydrophobic. I wonder what happened to her as a baby. That made her so hydrophobic. Yeah. I mean, like, even if it's playing off the trope of, like, cats hate water, Gingivere Gingivere is not, yeah. Yeah. But, of course, like, he's also described as being, like, fairly different from his family, so. Yeah. Um, And so she's in, like, that kind of half-awake state when you first wake up from a nightmare and you realize something is wrong with your room. Yeah. So, like, I get where she starts having this complete meltdown. Yeah. Because she sees Woodlander footprints in the dust of her room, which, first of all, why is your room so dusty, ma'am? Because no one cleans in this fortress. They don't have maids or janitors or... I mean, I, I feel like she tells somebody to clean her room and they, like, t- try. Yeah. Barely try uh, at all. And this is where we get, like, our first real hint at sanism with Sarmina, mm-hmm. where, like, she is described consistently throughout the rest of the book as slipping into madness. Yeah. Um, Full on And she summons Ashleg, accuses him of, like, treachery and being like, you let them in here. You brought them here. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna try to, to kill me. And he's like, mm, 
no. Yeah. <laughs> and he just leaves. I love this part of the book. Like, he's just like, this is getting bad. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Drops his cloak and just takes off. He swaps it out for, like, a plain brown one. And he just hobbles away past a very well-fed Argalore. Yeah, who's just uh, sound asleep. Who's, yeah. Uh, poor Argalore. <laughs> I know. Like, he misses his chance. Like, part of me is like, I'm happy Ashley got away because it's... It's such a subversion of so many other character archetypes in these series. The fact that he manages to get away just scot-free. Um, but at the same time, it's like, aw, Argulor missed his snack. None snack for Argulor. No snack for you, bird. You, yep. are not an, an, you are not an explicit ally of the main characters in this book. You don't get a snack. <laughs> But yeah, Ashley gets away. He's just like, fuck this shit, I'm out. Yep. Yeet. Leaves. <laughs> uh, and then, again with the point of view swaps, we're back with uh, Martin and co. The snakefish is freed because what Dinny does is he finds the net that they used to, that was captured, that captured them. But they just leave Ties there. it to a tree. Throws it, because oh, they don't expect them to fucking get out. Yeah. Throws it over the edge, because I don't think these toads know what a mole is. They probably don't, because they call them fur mouse. So yeah. all of them fur mouse. Yeah. So throws throws it over the edge and it's just too short for them to reach. And so what Snakefish does is just literally throws himself at it. If you've ever seen eels in motion, they can do this. Eels are amazing and terrifying creatures, and I love yes. them. They're, They're horrifying. So I love them. Martin gets on it first and manages to get out because he hops on Snakefish's head. Yeah. And then, like, the the frogs, the, the toads are all, like, coming because they, they got snitched on. So, like, they're all coming and they see Martin jump out and then they see Snakefish. God. And they're just like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I kind of want to read that bit because it was just so good. It's very good. And, like, the whole time you're just like, yeah, you get him, Snakefish. Like, I, like I have to, like, even as bad and as racist as the trope is, it is, like, immensely satisfying to have Snakefish just lay into them. Like, he's getting his revenge for being trapped down there for so long and being forced to eat so many things he didn't want to eat. Yeah. And, like, also, Snakefish had coiled around Logalog and Gonf to help bring them up yeah. because they were kind they were scared. They were like, we don't want to jump on his head. What if he eats us? And he's like, so I'll just, I'll, I'll just grab you. You're good. Um, so Marsh Green and his toads loomed out of the cottony mists. Three of them waddled forward, trying to capture Dinny as the mole flayed about with heavy digging claws. I'm not going to try to read what Dinny says because I'm going to butcher see, it. What, what page is it on? Uh, in my book, it's 226. It's, uh, girl, don't come near my slimy toad bags. He warned. <laughs> Deathcoil and Whipscale noticed too late the net fastened at the edge of the scream hole. Martin came leaping over the edge, loosing stones from his sling, fast and accurate. He bounced a rock off Marsh Green's head, knocking him flat. Gurgling screams of horror greeted the next arrival from the pit. The head of Snakefish appeared, dripping like some primeval monster from the abyss, slitted eyes and white rows of teeth confronting the terrified assembly. And then he just screams toad flesh and launches himself out. So yeah, uh, Snakefish is just like, haha, toads. He yes. just goes on a rampage. He eats um, so many. He eats so many. And the the group take Marsh Green captive. 
And they're like, take us to the beach. Because yeah. they don't know how to get there. They're just like, take us. Take us to the beach. And I love that when they get and to the beach, like, Marshall They're in just, awe. Yeah. They're in, they're in awe. They're all staring at the beach like, wow, holy crap. And Marshall's just like, well, I'm going back home. Yeah, because Marsh Green warned them, like, there's seabirds, and they're like, well, mm-hmm. we'll fucking deal with that. Just take us. And he's like, all right. Yeah, yeah li- literally, it's just like, hurriedly, they jumped onto the tussock to confirm Gump's sighting. Behind them, Marsh Green picked up the trident and waddled off back into his domain of swamp and mist. That's it. That's it. He's not killed or off. He's just, he, he just goes home. I mean, listen, if Snake if, if Snakefish is going to have his way, Marsh Green's going to die eventually. Yeah, but I like that, like, it's not some, like, karmic on-screen, like, haha, look at look at the bully Savage getting his comeuppance. It's like, no, he's, he's suffered a lot, and now he just gets to go. But so they can see the fires of Salamandastron from where they are, and they're like, oh, we're so close. Yeah. Oh, distance is so deceptive, especially on beaches. And then, back with the Corum, they're having a feast to celebrate the return of the Dibbins. And also to talk about what happened with Mask. They have, like, a quiet moment, because Bella's like, where are the Dibbins? Oh, they're asleep. Okay, let's have a moment of silence for Mask. Because they don't want to tell the Dibbins that he died. they literally plan to tell him, oh yeah, he moved to a farm upstream, upstate. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, Kit made a comment about nut pudding. Yeah. Um, it was like, are we are we talking the British pudding, which could be anything from cake to an actual pudding? And I tried to Google it. Um, which you are a very brave being for Googling nut pudding. I Googled Redwall nut pudding, which did not <laughs> give me bad things. But nut pudding is actually not a recipe I was able to find. So... Call make nut pudding for us, please. I want to know how you would make a British pudding out of nuts. Yeah, like I'm imagining this it is has probably to be like some kind of a walnut pastry. Yeah, yeah, it's probably like a soaked, like kind of like a toffee pudding. Yeah, like a soaked cake. Like, like when I was younger, the fact that like when I would read like British books and stuff like that, um, it would always confuse yeah, me so much. Like, oh yeah, like, the pudding, and I'm just like. Like, that's a pudding? Is that the kind of pudding they eat over there? And then, like, one day I was, like, watching a British TV show. I'm like, oh, it's it's such and such pudding. And they put down, like, a whole ass cake. And I'm like, I beg your pardon. <laughs> that is not pudding. <laughs> that is solid. <laughs> Why are you calling this a pudding? <laughs> it's usually just because of the ingredients that are in it, as well as, like, how moist it is. Yeah. And I mean, like, again, like, every regional area has, like, slang for, like, this is a general dessert cooked in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, also, where the f- Again, where the fuck did they get buttermilk where from? Where did they get buttermilk? <laughs> where so, are they getting the milk from? Where the dairy I'm so to make concerned. Like, like, if, if he ever, like, once mentions, like, plant alternatives, because, like, I'm sure that there's, like, saps or like do they do they have almonds in britain or is that like an, a new world nut uh hold on because like could they make certain milks out of certain plants like i know there are some plants that you could get milk substitutes out of um, the thing is is you can't get butter like that no though. you can't or cheese 
as far as I know. Like, I know there's some vegan cheese out there, but it's... Uh... Almonds are not native to the UK. Okay, I thought so. So that's straight out. Because you can um, get a nut butter, but you're not going to get a buttermilk. No. And again, Because a nut cheese. butter is not the same thing as butter. Yeah. Yes. Also cheese. Because, like, you can't really make, like... Like there are, Jeez. there are like vegan they have substitutes. The... Like I, like my, when I was in California, but... I visited a friend of mine who she's not like, she's not like full on vegan, vegan, but she prefers to go vegan if she has the choice kind of a situation. And she yes. got like this vegan cheese and I was trying to be very nice and not comment on it while I was there. And Faye, I love you. You're probably never going to listen to this, but if you do, I still love you. But that cheese looked nasty as hell and it didn't even melt properly. Like... When it was put most, on most the veg- vegan cheeses don't like like when it was put on the veggie burger that she got like we were having burgers that day and like she had a veggie burger it looked like somebody had melted one of those like plastic display cheeses and I'm just over here like oh. Oh. there's one brand of vegan cheese that I like and that is because it actually tastes and acts like cheese um, but all the other ones are just bad um, yeah. but they're also they're not made with nuts is the thing yeah. And you can't get the same kind of, like, soft cheeses that they talk about. No, you can't. Like, because they talk about, che- like, some soft cheeses, like, they're, like, almost goat's cheese. Yeah. And you cannot get that consistency out of, like, a nut. And, like, this is something that runs through the series, if I remember correctly, where, like, even as he phases out, like, larger farm animals, again, like, the horse, which is only <laughs> mentioned once, um... <laughs> Or, again, like, like sheep exist in this world, or at least existed. So, like, it's like we know that some analog to these farm, these domesticated farm animals do exist. Or that maybe there are humans somewhere out there. But, like, it's never mentioned, and we are just supposed to accept that they still have cheeses and milk and, you know, like, dairy and egg products because a lot of these things are made with egg as well and it's like Mm -hmm. where are they getting the eggs do they have like a well okay to be fair there are birds there are birds yes but like the only birds that steal robin's eggs i think it's sparrows who live in the abbey yes later on but i mean we're talking about like this right now is the woodlanders yeah so they They don't live the abbey doesn't exist yeah it's kind of that um that Whose eggs are you? Whose children are you stealing, Martha? Yeah, the 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 hip the hypocrisy. Goody sickle. Like, whose children did you steal? The the hypocrisy of like, well, we won't eat this creature because we're the good guys, whereas it's like, but you will happily steal the eggs, maybe? Question mark. Unsure. It's it's very odd, and it it does it does bother me. Like, now that I'm aware of it. (laughs) Like, as a kid, I never questioned it. Yeah. That's true. As a kid, as a kid, I never questioned it. I was just like, yeah, they've got buttermilk. Of course they have these things. Everybody has these things. As an adult, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. But again, like, suspension of disbelief. When I'm actually in the book and reading it, it's not that bad. Like, if I'm not trying to analyze it for something, it doesn't bother Mm -hmm. me that much. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a, a little. You can have a little bit of questioning the plot as a treat. Just a little. <laughs> but so they, Gingerveer says, I'm going, I can't, like, because they invite Gingerveer to stay. Yeah. They're like, please stay. Please help us. And he's like, no, 
me being here will just bring Sarmina's entire, like, all of her hate down upon you. Mm -hmm. I need to leave. And he's going to head east in the morning. Mm -hmm. And they respect this decision of his. Um, yeah, he does just leave. Uh, yeah. We see him again, but he does just leave. And I, um, I like that he does get a chance to like, yeah, okay, I'm going to leave and find a better life for myself. And also this way. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> we're going to talk about that because time scales. Yep. Um, and just... then they start talking because Formal and Old Denny are like, so. They're, and like they start trying to explain it and then like, uh. Bleh. What is it? Columbine has to finish explaining it? Columbine or the Abbas? Mm. Um, I don't remember. One of them. A mm. mouse. A mouse has to come and finish <laughs> explaining it so that people understand. Uh-huh. So, you know. Uh, but so they come up with a plan because they, they're like, okay, so where KOTOR is is actually what used to be a lake. There used to be a lake here, and we know this because we found the remnants of it. It's in a depression, and there's an underground lake. That's why everything is gross. And so, I mean, if we can just... Right di- now. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to divorce you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they come up with this plan because the moles are like, we could dig tunnels down into there and flood it from the river. And they're all like, this sounds like a great idea. Because if they flood it, the whole thing will just sink. Yeah. Take care of the problem all in one go, yeah. Exactly. Because Sarmina hates water. Although I don't know if they know this yet, specifically. <laughs> I think they do because they saw her reaction during the the Pike attack and Gloomer event. Because, like, yeah. there's a moment where she gets close to the water and she's just like, mm, nope. Yeah. And then uh, this fucking random thing because the only reason i noticed it is because you pointed it out is like who are they praying to because they they say a prayer yeah. it's like who are they praying to brian explain and i'm like whoever runs the dark woods i guess yeah because like we never do we ever get like a god or a goddess uh, or any martin. kind of entity well, martin Mar- martin isn't martin. really a god though martin is more of like a savior or a, he's a he's an he's a saint figure he's a saint he's and, a saint yeah you can pray to saints. That's tr- yeah, that's true. <laughs> can you tell I was not raised Catholic? <laughs> I also wasn't, but I oh. have a Catholic who lives with me. My grandmother was Catholic, <laughs> so I know that confused the hell out of me as a kid. Like I was raised in a non-denominational church, and when we would go to my grandmother's church, which was Catholic, I mean, like they even had an old Irish father who came over from Ireland to become their pastor. I love him. He was awesome. Um, yeah, that 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 is very common and normal. Yeah, he was awesome though. Like he was he was great. Um, but like I remember like being so confused. I'm like, why do the Catholics think they have to pray to Mary when the whole reason Jesus came down and died was so we could talk to him directly and he would be the one who would talk to God? So like I was just so confused as a kid. Like why are they adding an extra step with Mary? She she's they don't even say that in the bible like i was so confused and irate so like here they are just like praying to some entity and it's like i want to know like i want to know this bit of world building like tell me about the religion of these mice and creatures like i want to know that the religion of fictional worlds is interesting because it's like what do you take from your you're like what do you take from it what do you take away like 
um, to use the Valdemar series. Like there's certain ones. It's like, oh, this is very clearly based off of an Abrahamic religion. Or then it's like, oh, then we have like an ancestor worship religion. Or like you can tell what the author is pulling from to create this fictional religion. And there's enough of a corollary to our world that we're able to fill in the blanks that the author leaves. It's like all you'd have to do would be to like, Give us a name. Give us a couple little hints like, oh, well, we have to make our, we have to say like our morning prayers or, hey, like, here's a summer festival where we're feasting to, you know, like Lady Earth or something. Like something, any small little nugget to justify why there's a religious order when we never get an explanation of the religion. Reasons. (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I went off a bit there, didn't I? <laughs> it's because I'm pretty sure that Brian was, uh, he went to a Catholic school as a child. Uh, so much of the culture in, like, European and America is, like, Christian, Abrahamic religion. Like, even people are like, well, I'm an atheist. It's like, you might be an atheist, but you are still heavily steeped in a Christian culture and you cannot escape that unless you are consciously looking out for it every day. Mm. It is baked into our culture. You cannot escape that unless you are being aware of it. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, for some people that's a bad thing. And I understand that because it's Christianity has been very not good to a lot of other cultures and religions. I fully acknowledge that as a Christian that, Hey, my religion has been super shitty sometimes. <laughs> um, but also it's like, I still would like a little more clarification on like, if he wanted to go Druidic, that would be awesome. If he wanted to go semi-Catholic, that would be awesome. Just like, give us something, dude. Hell yeah. Never. Know, you know, it'd be a really fun pull if he had like this whole Druidic kind of Catholic looking thing. And then they whipped around to say, actually though, we're influenced by the Roman pantheon, you know? <laughs> God. <laughs> because, like, Britain did have Rome in there for a good while, and God knows how they mucked up the lore. Everything. Everything. Damn you, Britain. Well, ah. Damn you, Rome. I love you, but <laughs> damn you. <laughs> Can I interest you in everything all of the time? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now we have a point of view swap again to Martin and Co., and they're uh, in the sand dunes, and they are hungry, and they are thirsty, they and there is nothing. But they just fucking they just fucking eat a weird plant that they don't know that's like, got no! milky sap in it and I'm like bitch that could be latex like why are you just if, just like smacks it out of their head like did, did you how did your mother teach you like this is not how you <laughs> angry fox like okay I guess <laughs> I guess maybe Logalogal would know if this was safe or not because like the sh- the the fucking shrews live near the ocean but fucking. My dude, it's a weird plant. You don't know it. Don't be. Yes, please. People don't don't Ah. eat weird plants. Just don't. Don't. Please. There's there's a TikToker who I really like who does a lot of foraging. She is fantastic. And she says, um, like at the end of every TikTok, she says, happy snacking. Don't die. Because there's so many things that you can forage and eat that will fucking kill you. Yes. And like, okay, like. To go on another tangent, if you don't mind, go um, for it. There's things that are edible, but they're only edible if you do like a very specific, careful process, which has been developed over generations. Like there, the the tribes who lived in Yosemite before colonialism, um, 
they had an amazing method of turning acorns into flour. But this method was entirely produced because if you did not do these very specific steps to um, not purify, but basically distill the acorns from what their natural state was, you would get poisoned. You would get very sick. So yeah, because acorns have... will make you sick unless we prepare them a specific yeah. way. So they developed like entire methods of preparing acorns to eat them and turn them into flour. And these were like painstaking processes. You couldn't just grab an acorn off the ground and eat it. But although I guess... I mean, you can, but... If you're a squirrel, you could. Which we have to remember. I used to eat acorns as a kid. Squirrels. Squirrels. <laughs> yes. That is a nickname. Squirrels. <laughs> what are you doing? They do it anymore. They tasted bad. You, yeah, of course they tasted bad. You are distressing me right now. I don't eat it anymore. Ocean and Dinny is like, what the fuck? Why is there so much? Y'all, I think I'm tripping. He's like, I am. I think I'm tripping out. What the fuck? Like, to be fair, I have had friends who were like inland like their entire life. And then were like, hey, let's go to Monterey for the day. Like, I'm going to show you. And like, they'll see the ocean. They're like. Holy shit, dude. You know, like, <laughs> people just. The like, ocean is a religious experience. It is. It is. And you cannot change my mind. And it is it is many different religious experiences, depending on where you live and what kind of ocean you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, oh, I they have a brief moment fighting off some seabirds, which just decide, hey, let's screw with these guys because we're hungry. And then they find a tide pool and managed to piss off a crab. And a very here, big crab. And here is where I reiterate my argument that the sizes may not be entirely accurate to the animal's sizes. Like, there is clearly some size fudging so that some species are not completely dwarfed by the others. But the animals... Well, because also the they show... The first thing that they show is a smaller crab who's kind of soft, which means it's yes. just molted. It's not a baby crab. It is yes. just molted. And they're like... Logalog's like, oh, throw that back. Throw that back. Yeah. Uh, Put that throw that back, back where it came from. Where there's one crab, there's more. And then the big crab shows up and is like, bitch. Yeah. What are you, <laughs> what are you doing in my swamp? Uh, <laughs> you know, several chapters too late for that, but give me a break. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And they piss it off because it's a crab and crabs get pissed off real easy. Yes. Crab's yeah. Like, no. And uh, yeah, this crab is so much bigger than all of them. Like its claws could snap them in half, kind of big. Again, with the dragon imagery, almost. Crab of unusual size. Kraus. <laughs> Giant enemy crab. C O U S. <laughs> it's World of Warcraft now. The crabs are people size. But again, like this is just like it further cements my theory that like. Even if the animals are somewhat, like, size-corrected to be closer to each other's sizes, they are still animals size Because otherwise, a crab would not be a threat like this. And, yeah. like, that really puts their walk along the beach into perspective. Because, like, walking in the sand is hard when you're a human. Walking in the sand when you're closer to a mouse or even, like, a badger size? That's not fun either. And there's a whole lot more ground to move when you're that much smaller. Yeah, but you don't weigh as much, like, anywhere near. Yeah, that's true, but still, 
it's just like it does put like some of the journey into perspective where like they may not be traveling as far as we think it's just they're so much smaller that it takes them longer mm-hmm. well, my brain was just like ah salamandistron is a sand castle <laughs> Oh no! Well, like they do have a like. Oh god! Like how cool would that actually be though? Like if the interior was glass, like sand. Oh my god, that would be rad as fuck. Especially because sand glass is so like, yes. like it's it's impure. It's not yes. clear. And it's so cool looking. Oh god, Brian, you missed your chance. I am calling uh. that. You can't take that from me. I'm gonna use that for something. My origin, original do idea, do not do steal. <laughs> like, it would make so much more sense for the fact that Salamanderstar is just off on its on its own. It's yes. just off on its own, doing its own thing, and it's not a volcano. It's not a volcano. It is explicitly explained in this book that it is a forge that creates the fires. Yeah. Um, because, like, you can have volcanoes that pop up and there's not really much mountain around them. But the thing is, is that, like, you... They're usually still on, like, a fault line, and there's still going to be, like, hills and other shit around them. Right. There there would be... You would see the remnants of former volcanoes. Like, the entire Hawaiian yes. mount... Like, the entire Hawaiian islands is, like, run off of, like, something like a group of volcanoes that the crust of the... Yeah. You know, keeps floating over. So it's like, oh, well, time to make a new island. You know. And like I live, and like the Rocky Mountains are just full of fucking volcanoes. Yeah, and like I live seven hours from Yellowstone. I know you can yeah. have a big ass volcano that's just sit. Well, actually, it's not even a volcano; it's a hot spot. But like, it I could know- be a volcano. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if you can't make God a volcano, forbid that a hot ever goes spot, off. Fine. Um, oh jeez. Like a lot of friends are like, aren't you scared? It's like, look. If it goes off, that means I'm not going to have to suffer through the volcanic winter that's going to happen afterwards. I think I'm okay with that idea. <laughs> yeah, because it would just destroy. If that thing went off, it would just destroy, like, north the entirety of, like, North and South America, basically. Well, it would totally take out, like, at least half of it, yeah. Like, if we ever really want to have a good rant, get me going off on movies like San Andreas in 2012 about uh, your geology is bullshit and uh, the San Andreas <laughs> fault is not that kind of fault, you absolute dipshit dumbasses. It's a sliding fault. It would slide, not pull apart. Ah! <laughs> Sorry. If Steph. it slid, wouldn't that just like push uh, California into the ocean? Like it would just go underwater? No. So it's a sliding fault. And basically the way it works is like one fault is moving south and w- one side is moving south and one side is moving north. Um, ah. Right. So, if, so it would just cause more mountains. Ba- well, basically it's not pushing up against each other. Like there would be spots where you probably would get more mountains and you would get some... Well, because even if they're moving, they're still... Because they're moving north and south, they're still right. pushing against each other. Right. So what you would get is mountains kind of... Because the way that the Rockies are formed, it looks like that. That kind of... Jagged. Like, tilt. Mm-hmm. Basically... Because the Rocky Mountains tilt. Like, the joke that California would fall into the ocean is it's not accurate. What would happen is you'd get one hell of a jolt and California would have to... Uh, it would basically, like... Half of it would get torn in half, basically, but lengthwise, mm-hmm. not widthwise. Um, I don't know. Listen, if any going. state is actually going to remove itself, it's going to be Florida. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because it is actually on one of those kinds of fault lines. That's how we got Florida to fucking begin with. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that ancient online thing. Um, and then and then uh, oh God, and then California decided fuck this shit and decided to go off and become an island with Hawaii. Alaska can come too. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I am God. not tired. Fine, then take but... a nap. Then fire the missiles! <laughs> Oh my god. I'm showing my age. showing your age. I am. <laughs> All you whippersnappers don't know. <sighs> anyway. Vampire <laughs> Fucking, I haven't watched that video in so long. It's so good. He made a sequel, uh, you know. Uh, anyway. Oh we're, we're... Anyway. Anyway, POV switched back to Coder. <laughs> they are having a hard fucking time of it because Sarmina has just gotten deeper into paranoia and she's like, Brog. Inspect the entire army. Pull on their whiskers and pull on their tails and make sure they are who they say they are. Yeah. And Brog is like, uh, uh, And they're, uh, they're treating uh, her like uh. she's insane when, like, they literally just had a situation where an imposter came in. Like, her, like, her paranoia here is justified. It's very justified. But they're treating her like hey, you know, like, why is she acting crazy like this? It's like, because her paranoia is extremely justified, but also, like, like, you didn't help her at all, so stop giving her her crap. You're being mm-hmm. gross. Yeah, and Gingerbeer leaves. Yeah, Gingerbeer leaves. Gingerbeer's like, She's gone. thank you, bye. He goes. The, supposedly, at this point in the book, never to be seen again, but... <laughs> well, we, we know that's not how it's gonna work, so... <laughs> Oh, I'm going to get so mad when it comes to him. I know I am. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and then we, sw- we swap back to the beach again. And, like, they are freaking out. They are, like, slight. They are- they jump off of the-, the high rocks that make up, like, around the tide pool. Yeah. And the crab follows them down. And they're, like, trying to fight it off with, like, the staves that they created. And uh, the crab grabs one. And um, if you have ever... Like, fucked around with a crab. Like, the crab grabs the stave, because they'd made staves earlier to protect themselves. Uh, If you've ever fucked around with, like, a crab at the beach, you know that if you give it something and it grabs it, it's not gonna let go. (laughs) This is mine now. (laughs) Yeah, basically, this is mine now. That's why you've got all these fun photos of crabs holding, like, cigarettes and shit. Because crabs are not too proud. I love these. I love these idiots of the ocean. They're very, they're very fucking funny. They're not very bright. Uh, Gonf uh, makes fun of it by dancing with it because it's so confused and waving the staff around. And Gonf is like, "Oh no, it's fine now," and just like fucks around, and it's they don't really have to cute find out. Scene, yeah. Gonf, Gonf constantly gets to fuck around, and he doesn't ever have to find out. It's it's a little refreshing to have a character like this who like you can respect his plot armor and just be like, you know what? Yeah, that's okay. He's he's a good rogue's rogue. Yes. Um and they keep going along the beach and they find they see a bunch of seabirds like gathered around like a shape and they're like, "Oh, the they're attacking somebody. We need to go help them." Turns out that it's a dead rat. Like yeah. the the birds had killed it. Yep. Essentially. Um, and this rat's just, like, this rat lives in, like, a little hut on the beach. We don't know who this rat is. They give the rat a respectful burial, um, say, like, it's more, uh, we did more than they would have done for us. And I'm like, that's rude, but okay. Yeah, Um, like, it's implied that the rat was literally just, like, living out his life peacefully on Mm -hmm. the beach. I think we find out who this rat is later. Like, not in this book, but in a different book. Because I swear to God, okay. I feel like I know who this rat is, well, but I cannot 
think of it. It must be somewhat important for us to have, like, this whole focus on it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, otherwise, it's like, why would you put so much attention onto this rat who only shows up for a couple of, you know, paragraphs? Yeah. And they, like, spend the night in the rat's hut because the rat's got food and fresh water. Um, Remember, kids, it's not stealing if you're a good guy. It's salvaging. Especially if the other person's dead. Yes. <laughs> Video game logic. Yay! Says, like, I'm a Legend of Zelda fan, all right? So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Break a few pots to get by. It's alright. And then we swap back to the corn working on the tunnels. And I, honest to God, I love the way that Brian writes working scenes like this. Because Mm -hmm. you can just hear everybody shouting and, like, yelling and working. Mm -hmm. And it's so fucking good. Just hollering at each other. It really brings together the feeling like this is a community. These are people who take care of each other. Yeah, it's real good. Um, And Sarmina is patrolling alone in the forest looking for her brother because, again, Satanism, the descent into madness. Mm -hmm. She thinks her brother is is still somewhere. And, like, she's correct, but he's not there. Not not Um, anymore. And the replacement captains, um, Brog and somebody else. (laughs) A rat, rat, rat flank? Rat flank. Is rat flank is rat flank the other captain? Yes, because uh, later on when he gets off, it's because um, she heard him barking ah, yes, orders, and yes. she's like, "Oh, it was you." Yeah, they're so. eating up like the food that's in the larder, like the la- like basically what is like the remnant remnants of the food that's left because they don't have a lot of food left. Yeah. Uh, and the stoat that they had sent to spy on Sarmina comes back to tell them what's going on, and they send him back out like, you weren't supposed to come back. You <laughs> left your queen out there all by herself. And he's like, stoats are not very smart, apparently, and they're not very quiet, apparently, which is a lie. They're very smart and very quiet. Yes. Um, And he just comes crashing through the brush, and she shoots him. And she thinks that he's Gingivere, and she's like, finally, he's Basically, dead. she's experiencing a moment of psychosis, I think it is, mm-hmm. because she sees- She's having a breakdown. Yes. A straight-up nervous breakdown, which, hey, yeah. fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. A bunch of shit is happening, and she thinks everybody's against her, like, bleh. Which, I mean, um, to be fair, everyone is, but it was her own- yeah. You know, of her own doing, too, so. Yeah. Um, and you you made a note here about, like, vermin being greedy and stupid. Yeah. But it, it's, yeah. The, the note is, is that um, a lot of times in the series, you will see characters who are gluttons. And when it is a, air quotes, good animal, it's portrayed as like, oh, it's a charming, quirky thing. Like, the hares being bottomless pits or, like... <laughs> That one owl who um, who probably would have been too fat to fly, but also severely deficient in the nutrients he needs to survive because owls can't live off of oat cakes, Brian. Um, <laughs> but um, but when it's vermin, even like even when the vermin do have like a steady, reliable supply of food, like if they live on the ocean and they fish, um, they're they're bottomless bellies are shown as a sign of like gluttony and greed and like it's a negative trait when it's Mm -hmm. a vermin but it's a charming quirk when it is one of like air quotes the good animals yeah it's the difference between eating a lot because there's plenty to be had and eating because of greed and gluttony it's bad logic 
but yeah. It's really bad logic because these creatures are used to starving. Yeah. And they have food, but also we run into the, oh, but they're stupid also, so they don't know how to ration. Yeah. And I'm like, they would know how to ration because they don't ever have enough food. Y'all, oh my god. Uh, eh. All of us, this us is just screaming. Brian Jakes has never been poor. Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe he has, but at some point he forgot. Well, uh, I mean, again, she who must not be named is a good example of that. Like, when an author is like, yeah, I started out with nothing. I lived in a barely an apartment. And then, like, cue a couple of best-selling series later. And, um... Oh yeah. The only the only best-selling world. authors who are who 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 understand this is K A and um Mike is his name Michael? I can't remember. I always uh, remember K. Hold on. Um hold on. No, he follows okay. he follows Hope's Hearth. Give me a second. Okay. But also like I will point out to like another author that I like Michael or, Grant. Okay. Another one I liked um He's kind of on the chopping block right now, though, because his last book was really <laughs> shitty to one of my favorite characters. But like um, Jim Butcher, he often writes, he writes poor characters very well in that they're not stupid. It's just like literally the entire system is against them because when you are poor, it is very hard to stop being poor. And like his main character is literally a wizard and he lives in a, a little shitty basement apartment because being a wizard does not pay well. And he won't, like, he won't bend to the rules to get, like, a cushier lifestyle. So, like, there are authors out there, even successful ones, who, like, they do know how to write a poor character well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's my, that's what I'm pointing out with, like, K.A. and Michael is because they used to, like, they were homeless. They were homeless and they traveled around and took odd jobs and shit. And they, like, are not shy about talking about it. You're breaking up again. Why? How dare? I mean, I'm assuming it is picking it up on your end of the recording, so I'm not worried. It's just like, I can't hear what you were saying. Like, I missed yeah. half of that. Um, it's K.A. and Michael Grant were homeless, and they used to, like, take odd jobs and shit. Yeah, like, I've, I've yeah, heard those they, stories. They're, they're not shy about talking about it either, and, like, that does show in their books. They know how to write poor characters, yeah. and they don't let that success of having enough, like, completely make them forget that. And it's right. it's one of those things where it's like, I don't understand how authors can just completely forget that when they've gone through it. Another And an what it is, is it's it's a sign of privilege. Right. Because, like, there's another author who, like, they have a character who he was raised as a monk. Not exactly a monk, but he was raised in a fairly, um, he was in, raised in a religious lifestyle where he did not receive a lot of, uh, like, he didn't have a servant. He didn't have a lot of things like that. Well, he and his uh, mentor end up going to work as um, envoys. And he spends, like, a few months living in, like, an envoy suite, like, a really high-end, like, this is where they put like the really important people and there's servants and people who take care of him. And when he gets back from like a long day of work, he just drops his cloak on the ground one day and then he stops and he's like, holy crap. Cause like he realizes that he has just taken for granted the fact that he now has someone to pick up after him. Like he has a moment of realization that having spent most of his life poor, it only took a few months for him to, to take advantage of and forget to be appreciative of the fact that there are people who will clean up after him. 
Mm-hmm. It's just like there are many authors who actually do point that out, like the difference, like how quickly you can forget once something goes from being a privilege to something you expect to be a norm. Yeah. But anyway, back to the book. <laughs> um, Never. <laughs> Mark, Martin and Co- <laughs> Martin and company have been traveling along the beach and get the feeling they are being watched. Like they notice a clump of seaweed that has been following them in a sense. They're like, don't look at it. Don't let them realize that whatever they are, we've seen. Oh, them. they freaking they they instead of camping like amongst the rocks or the dunes, like they have them. The like, beach. okay, we're gonna be in the open and we're gonna like watch them. But the these fuckers wait until all of them are basically asleep <laughs> and then just appear out of nowhere. God, the, I love the hairs. The they hairs suck. Were, yeah, <laughs> just like hello there, old chap. What what? What what? What? They are so exceedingly British. <laughs> they are. Hold on. I want to. I want to. Oh, my God. I want to find this fucking thing. And I find these three, like, particularly fascinating because, like, I I want to assume that they are meant to be triplets. Like, they might not be, but the way I don't they... think they're related because if they were related, that would be bad. Oh, wait. Are they, like, in a relationship? Huh? Are they in a relationship? Because the, the other, the three lady hairs. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. Okay. Hold on, I'm trying to find it. But, like, they know each other so them. well that, like, the, it, like triplets or twins, like, they will finish each other's sentences. And most yeah. of the time in a book, I can, that can be a very annoying thing, but it is, it is executed very well and in a very cute manner here. Yeah. Oh, I we also we also have to point out that they do talk about the sea rats and yes. like the pirates. Yes. In this chapter as well, this is where we uh learn about Captain Ripfang, master of the vessel Bloodwake. Yeah. Which I am pretty sure also comes up in another book. I don't remember which one. It, it has there's so to. Many, there's back and forths in the timeline a lot. Yeah, it, it has uh, to be more relevant than it was in this book because it's such an abrupt thing that's just like, hello, if yeah. this is going to be a problem, show up and be taken care of just like that. Um, yeah. But the three okay. hairs that appear are, while well, Squirrels is looking that up, um, Trubs, Wather, and Fring. And I am probably pronouncing that completely wrong, but that was how my brain chose to read it. Well, yeah, because he says double F, no E. Yeah. Uh, so it's fring and not fring. Yeah, fring. Um, maybe it's meant to be um, like a fring, like with a little R there. Do, do the British ever roll their R's? I don't think they do. Not really. No, not so really. it's probably it's just fring. And it's just the fucking posh British officer <laughs> accent that all of the hairs have. It's the, the this very like, what, what? Hello, chaps. <laughs> <laughs> you have some stuff for us there. <laughs> how did Tim Martin's like, uh, how did you get here? Oh, this way in that old chap. Dodge and weave, you know? Yeah. How the dickens do we ever get anywhere? <laughs> They're just talking in turn with each other, one after the other. They are having fun, too. Like, you can tell they are having fun messing with them. Like, he. They're just like, oh, somebody new to mess with. <laughs> and he's just like drubs and who did he say no no it's it's trubs old sport well they're at your service haha <laughs> and i've got to be fring i suppose i know <laughs> i suppose i love them i like the i suppose on the end there <laughs> they suck so much 
hairs hairs are so peculiar because like for me as far as like the hairs in the books go the hair is either my favorite character in the book or my least favorite character i very yeah. rarely because have it, it between. depends it depends on where they come from yeah all of the every single hair talks like they're from the same place but you've got the salamandistron hairs which are very very privileged and posh yeah and you have the hairs that come from further north now, to be fair, the Salamandistron hairs, they do a lot of, like, they are there as, like, a defense, as warfare. So, like, a lot of their posh behavior doesn't bother me as much because it's clearly, like, riffing off of, like, the British. Yeah. All, like, the British military, navy, what have you. Um, yeah. But, like, when but you But that's do... the thing. That's also pointing towards that privilege where they're very posh, like, British military. Right. If they're from Salamandistron. Whereas, like, in Long Patrol, the hairs that are in Long Patrol are... They're actors. Right. <laughs> they're actors. I fucking love the Long Patrol. <laughs> but anyway, so these three hairs are sent to bring the the quad- quadrio, the group, to Salamandistron. But they don't say that at first. No, like they are they are messing with them. They're having fun. Like they're seeing how long they can drag this out and keep them nervous. Yeah. They cuz it's like oh my god. They're they're all like talking. It's like well, well, this is comfy. Tell us all about yourselves. Rather, what neck of the old country are you bods from? Live far from here, do you? And Martin is like explaining like what happened. And then he's like, "Well, that's our story. Now, what's yours? How do you three come to be out here in the middle?" Of nowhere next to a fire mountain. And they're like, actually, that'd be telling. Or, <laughs> I second that old bean. I oh, yes, quite. That, that would be telling. Just <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, well, you can stay with us or be on your business. We've got to get a proper night's sleep before we go to the mountain. And the Harris are like, mm, uh, the mountain. Actually, we've been sent down here to you to lead you to the mountain. You see? Yeah. Would you mind awfully coming along with us? Yeah. <laughs> Hot, what? Hot, what? Hot, what? for listening. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Abbey Archives. And if you'd like to read along with us, join our Discord, linked in the description below. You can also follow our parent podcast at Hope's Hearth Pod. Remember to wash your paws like good dibbins and take care of yourselves. Bye! <laughs>